If you can find a road without any challenges, it most likely leads nowhere. Frank A. Clark. How do you like that quote, Shono? I like it. It's very relatable, isn't it? It very much is. I, I, I must certainly agree. I must certainly agree. However, sometimes I feel like challenge. Uh, if you have a road without challenges, you just get somewhere quicker. But is that then the point of it? Do you have the same amount of uh, isn't. stories to tell? But the quote really emphasizes why... Maybe not, indeed. Very, very <laughs> true as well. And uh, we, we would like to just start by saying the 43rd episode of The Lobster Fight has been delayed, which we do realize, and we must apologize upon that. But, you know, challenges do come our way. And Sean and I were a bit challenged last week due to various circumstances of different travel plans and stuff that didn't really work out in the end the way yeah, we wanted it work. to. <laughs> didn't work out to plan well, in any form of way. We've managed. We've managed. We've overcome. But I'm However, sure that we can. We, we, come we'll back post to my a little, We'll post a little uh, funny video of Sean from his airport <laughs> shenanigans. I do have to say, we, so you can check I that did, on our we did win that lobster fight at the end of the day. To come to come yeah. back to that, to well, just give a little explanation why we uh, why we're slightly delayed in our posting. It had to do with my travel to the airport, and this is a kind of a reoccurring thing of our stories of come talking to talking about traveling to and in the airport. However, this one, this story happened, or this um, scene happened well before even arriving into the airport. So. I, uh, me and my girlfriend, we get out two hours before, two and a half hours before the flight, thinking it'll take us half an hour to get there. I've got checked luggage, so I'll be there plenty ahead of time to check in the luggage and then just walk around, maybe chill in the lounge and just prepare for my long flight ahead. However, then when we're leaving Monaco and we're going up towards the highway, there's a sign that says highway closed mandatory nice east exit so i'm like oh shit what what's going on here now so i ask can you check the navigation station uh, the navigation system and the navigation system said the full highway was jammed <laughs> and the time to the airport according to Waze, was about uh one and a half hours the thing is it didn't take us one and a half hours to get to the airport via the coastal routes and stuff like that. It took us one and a half hours to get into Nice, which is still not the airport. And we arrive into Nice, and Nice is a full-on dead stop, no traffic's moving. Like, there was nothing going on at that. Like, no movement in any form of way. And you look on Waze, you look on Google Maps, and you just see all the roads being completely red. And on Waze, you see how fast the traffic's moving. And all of it said one kilometer an hour right in the port of Nice. So that means there was no real movement going on anywhere. So then we, I decide, well, maybe the tram might be quicker because there's a tram exit entrance at the, in the port. However, it turns out that tram wasn't actually going to the airport. So I walk up there, we, we look at the tram sign and it just says, um, it goes one stop, which was 
not even remotely close towards the airport. So we run back to the car, get back into the car, start driving. And then I look over. I was like, I don't think I'll make it. At this point, I've already looked on my app. The flight's not delayed because we were flying with Swiss. Swiss was perfectly on time as the Swiss people are. And my bag drops already closed. So I knew I'm not going to be able to check in my bag anymore. I look at my backpack and I see, ah, I've got running shoes in there. I've got a pair of swim shorts. And my suitcase is right behind me. So I rip open my suitcase. I take out the podcast gear out of my backpack, put it out and put a few sets of clothes inside. Put on my running shoes and I look at <laughs> I look at my girlfriend and I was like, well, uh, I guess I'll be running then. Because I looked at Google Maps and I saw it's exactly 6.5 kilometers. And I've had I had 40 minutes to get to the airport. And I know we can do six and a half kilometers in that amount of time. So I just look at her, give her a kiss, get out of the car, and just start running down the promenade. In pouring rain, the entire promenade completely dead stop. No traffic moving. (laughs) I I run up to the airport. You know how it is running with a backpack. You know like when it's like slapping on your back and whatnot and you're like, it's you get awful. out of breath a lot quicker, a lot earlier. It's miserable. <laughs> and then doing that along the entire promenade. Then I, s- I realized that I probably should have been doing a bit more running because I got out of breath quite quickly. However, then I was like, I can't really give up now. <laughs> like, I kind of need to continue on running. Otherwise, I'll, I'll miss my flight. Like, now everything's just in my hands. If I make it, I'll make it. If I don't make it, it'll be all my fault because I didn't run run enough. <laughs> or I didn't run far far enough or fast enough. Um, <laughs> and then I r- arrive up at the airport, covered in sweat, head to toe. And my flight has already been boarded. Everything and the gate's about to close about, about five, minutes af- um, five minutes later. I run into the airport. And all of a sudden, I can't find my boarding pass on my phone. Going on the app, trying to find it. And then the lady at the security desk sends me over to the check-in counter. And then there's a, there's a very kind French lady that happened to be, um, how would you call it? An absolute munter that day. Who was like, oh no, you have to go stand at the end of the line and then we call you on before. I was like, shit, fuck. It's like, no, my flight's leaving in, an, in literally five minutes. She's like... Well, that's not my problem. And then I just walk up to the person that's next to her. I was like, can you please help me? I can't find my boarding pass. Give her my passport. She's like, ah, your flight is... Uh... Ah, okay, I see. You need to run very quickly. But we can't promise anything. So she get, prints out boarding pass. I run up to the security checkpoint. The lady that sent me over said, ah, your, board, your, your flight is boarding now as well. Uh, is it almost done boarding? He's like, well, I don't know if it's done boarding, but it's still there, isn't it? It's like, yes. It's like, she pulls me through the crew area. That was the first time going through knee security without having to take my laptop out of my backpack. Okay. Ran through the entire thing. They just pushed me through, ran up, got down into the plane. Right behind me, door closes. Captain says, boarding complete. Saw so our last passenger there. 
the very last passenger and everyone was just kind of sitting there being like we waited for you now <laughs> and uh yeah. yeah i was covered from head to toe in sweat down. and the next i sat down and then the next 13 hours of travel were very um unpleasant for all the people that were sitting around me oh gosh so but i made it one won that little lobster fight it was a it was a wait, bit of wait, a fight wait, wait, if but we made it at the end if we spool back a little bit did you say that you had your podcast gear with you at all time no i didn't have it with me i took it out of my backpack because i wanted to fit some clothes in it I, I <laughs> so it was either either i pack clothes oh, I or i pack my podcast gear and i was like Looking back at it, I should have just left the podcast gear and gone to Zara, but (laughs) (laughs) at that point, I didn't think that far in advance. I was like, "Hmm." uh, you managed to get the flight. Exactly. Managed to get the flight. Managed to go to Florida. It's good stuff. With great success. And um, where were you in Florida, Sean? So we went, I went to Fort Lauderdale, actually, to be precise, because there was a great event that was going on, the Fort Lauderdale International Boat Show, which happens to be the largest bo- in-water boat show in the world. I know we've been there last year. What was your impression of it last year? My impression was uh, a very American boat show with people just walking the, the the docks of the port in their flippers, shorts, and T-shirts, and just going from pint to pint looking at some fishing gear, uh, the occasional burger stand being uh, a visit alongside the way, and uh, just, just like, a, I don't know, a weird event. But, I mean, yeah, cool, but for me it wasn't like a... It's a boat show. I feel like it was more a boat show than a yacht show. Life-changing. Wow. Oh, exactly. It, it, that's what it is. It's a lot more of a boat show. It's nothing compared to our Monaco yacht shows and anything like that. But the this this time, I kind of went there with a certain mission in mind. And I wanted to figure out what the desire is about all the f- those fishing boats. Because if you're me- like the way you said it, there's literally just loads of Americans walking around from fishing boat to fishing boat looking at fishing gear. And this year, I was like, what's, what's all the fuzz about? What's the excitement about? And we walked up to quite a few of the stands and kind of just tried to educate ourselves. And then two, two brands offered us to go out and test their boats to do like a little sea trial. And I believe I now understand why there's such a, bu- such a buzz about them. It's... They're not pretty looking boats. They're not comfortable boats in the sense that you go out for the day and have a great day out on the water and chill and you go anchor and stuff like that. But if you need to go places, they're fantastic boats. They just move. Like, we went out in two and a half meter waves, but like really uncomfortable washing machine type stuff. And... The boats that we took out, they went 40 knots in washing machine weather. Like, it was 
impressive to say the least. But then also to then get back to the American part of it, all those boats were fully stocked with beers and everything. And every time someone walked by, all the boat dealers were just handing out beers in a very American fashion. Everyone with their baseball caps, flip-flops, oversized sports polos, and all those bits and bobs. That's cool. That's cool. Was there any, uh, since I remember I was talking about the Yacht Show in Monaco and the transition towards the same more uh, sustainable practices in the in that industry, was that something that you felt over in the, in the United States of the Americas that there was a move from what we experienced last year, perhaps? Um, Or did you just really. go look at fishing boats? No, no uh, right. we did. We looked at we looked at everything, but over there, I don't think they've really gotten that urge yet. They don't feel the but need for it, and that's the slightly frustrating oh, part about so it. That's so interesting because I remember you sending yeah, I remember you sending me a picture the other day of the current situation. Going back to our podcast with Jern. Speaking of the rising sea levels, all of these issues that are, uh, you know, troubling. And if not now, uh, more later. And I saw the water levels of, of the Fort Lauderdale, like uh, the rivers with all the houses and stuff. And tell us, Sean, please enlighten us on the it's, situation there. It's scary. Uh, like, over there, million you look dollars at... It's just sitting there. <laughs> millions if not billions of dollars sitting along those little intercoastal waterways and it's literally three centimeters from uh, the water levels three centimeters from running into their backyard like you you have to just jump in on one side of the river and put a do a cannonball and they'd have a wet terrace that like that small little wave will already put their backyard underwater And if, let's say, Euron's predictions are right, or the predictions that he's read about, there won't be much left of Fort Lauderdale. But the thing is, that's the weird part about it, is that most Americans over there, they don't see the problem. Like, there's, oh, nice, the water level's higher, so we can actually go get our boats in and out easier, so we don't have to worry about the tides. The thing is, they don't see that if the water level rises even more, that they'll be <laughs> underwater. And that's uh, that's a bit of the sad sad part about the entire thing. Is over there, there's no urge for change. The things they look at is how many outboard engines can we stick on the back of a boat? So they try to stick five, six, seven engines on yeah. the back of a boat. But they don't think, oh, how can we make it more efficient? How can we be more sustainable? How can we make a difference? They just think how to get faster. Yeah, how can how how to get f yeah places faster in a more uh, as you said not necessarily comfortable way, but just more of a American way, perhaps? Can we can we say that? Well, they, they they do make it is, sure... I, it is quite that, to have a Boston Whaler fitted with six outboards of 600 horsepower. Yeah. I mean, it... <laughs> it works. But at the end of the day, it's like... 
Yeah, it's there's there are many problems there that need to be solved, but will only be solved once the problem is hit. Like there's no preca- like there's no trying to fix trying to find a solution before the problem has found has arrived. The problem's there; they just haven't oh. been um, hit by it yet. So. And- What did you say? No, go on. I was just thinking about because I I remember I recall some time ago where where I know Florida had some of this flooding a little bit and they had this not natural disasters but lots of lots of water in the streets. And I know that Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, he's he's kind of like a he's like a pro change in, in my perception of him trying to make some sort of a of a of a change because he knows that Florida is quite they're they're quite at the, the tip of the the coastline sort of like they're very um how do you say they're very uh, exposed at Vulnerable. risk yeah for this type of um for this type of of change to happen um could you could you imagine just sailing through those um, the the river houses or whatever you call them, and, and going a little bit too fast, like your wake will literally, you, the wake of the boat will literally float the entire gardens of houses. <laughs> like that's literally what will happen there. I think that happened that day probably when I sent you that picture. Like, I think if there was one boat that went through that, ah, good night to the swimming pool. You've got river water in it now. Like, that's the crazy part about Jesus. it. But then even, like, even if the politicians are so much pro-change and stuff like that, uh, it's, it takes more than just being pro-change. They actually need to do some change. Mm. Like, I don't know how to describe it in the best way. It's like, <clears throat> yeah, a politician can't be for it. But there's not much that when people want to buy something, you need to incentivize them to buy something that's better. That will encourage change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel I like w- it's it's more of a privatized thing yeah, at some I point agree. at the end. Mm. I just thought maybe perhaps this year the, the, the Fort Lauderdale, do they call it the flips or is that the Miami Boat Show? No, that's flips. Yeah, this one's flips. Fort Lauderdale International um, Boat Show. Fort Lauderdale Boat Show could have been like sort of a. Yeah, that could have been sort of a. Um, a reason to spark some change there, and not just be about bigger burgers and more outboard engines and stuff like that. But it seems <laughs> like they would have to wait another year for that change to start occurring. Probably. Uh, uh, we'll, prob- in, uh, we'll probably have to so wait we until we make that, that change. Yeah. What we can conclude is that perhaps we are moving faster in uh, the Monaco Yacht Show and with uh, bigger yachts, as you say as well. Yeah. Well, that's definitely the thing. Bigger yachts also I mean just the, move the, quicker. The, the, the average size they, of the they boats. They promote change. They've got space for change. Yeah. Yeah. The average size boats that 
that attend the Monaco Yacht Show, they're probably a bit larger now than the Fort Lauderdale. They're oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. I think the smallest boat and the like the smallest yacht of the big boats in the Monaco Yacht Show was the biggest one over in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So everything there is really made for the small people, the people with that use their boat for a daily basis not that not the guys that have space to put hydrogen generators and stuff like that in their engine rooms so not everything is larger but yeah i think Marcus. not everything's larger exactly only some things such as bellies burgers texas well anyway yeah. i think yeah How if we were thinking? to conclude that i think if we were to conclude or like compare it i think we we're definitely moving a lot quicker in europe than we are in the states in america there's not the need for change there's no desire for it they're very happy with their things and they just look at very personal beneficial things such as speed and how fast you can get from one place to another they don't think about the chain reaction of things that can happen. So now I I guess it's more or less on on us or the people in the industry to just try to figure out how to change it, how to get that change over there. Or maybe people just have to offer something an alternative. So they don't actually have to go looking for a better alternative. There yeah. just needs to be one there. So yeah. Makes sense. Makes I sense think on absolutely. that note, I think we we've got a uh, a nice a nice view into I think what, um, what your uh, what your week in Fort Lauderdale was <laughs> and why exactly. today a lot of walking around sweating is a remote episode. It's today. Yeah, hilarious. Exactly. Sean, Sean and I we are recording from uh, beautiful Monaco and, and beautiful. On, on uh, Denmark today where it actually is a a beautiful day it is actually a beautiful day here as well and uh, from my little quote quoteness where we started we can uh, we can also end there Sean shit happens get over yeah. it <laughs> and then uh, we'll send you all out it's on the way the cookie crumbles beautiful Wednesday here the first of November yeah very much so and uh, from my side, over and out. Over and out. Ciao for Cheerio. now. Cheerio.